welcome to the When Life Gives You Kalamansi podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a Filipina who was born in Oman, was raised in Saudi Arabia, went to university in upstate New York, and now currently resides in Northern Virginia, USA, aka your beautiful host, Raham Tahada. And this month is a special month because it is Pride Month, everyone. And I tried my best to show my allyship and share the love and support for the 2S LGBTQIA community by wearing rainbow clothing and rainbow makeup. And before you come at me, I know that showing support and allyship for the 2S LGBTQIA community goes way beyond than just wearing rainbow clothing and rainbow makeup. And there are actually more flags than just the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple version that I feel like most people know about more about that later in this episode. But this month, we are also going to celebrate Juneteenth on Saturday, June 19th. But because it is still the beginning of June, I wanted to focus this episode on Pride Month, the 2S LGBTQIA plus community, and my experiences around those topics. And of course, we cannot cover all of the 2S LGBTQIA plus topics in a single episode. So for this episode, I want to share my experiences that I had growing up and how I was gradually more exposed to anything that was not a straight cis male, straight cis female, heterosexual relationships, and whatever else was supposed to be the norm as a Filipina and as a Catholic and, you know, being in the Middle East. But before I jump in, let's have a quick history lesson (laughs) as to why Pride Month is celebrated in June in the first place. So the original organizers chose June to pay homage to the Stonewall Uprising in June 1969 in New York City. And This Stonewall Uprising helped spark the modern gay rights movement. And the Stonewall Uprising occurred in the early hours of June 28, 1969, when police raided the Stonewall Inn, which is a gay bar in Greenwich Village in New York City. And what the police were basically doing is that they were hauling customers outside of the Stonewall Inn. Patrons were resisting arrest, and bystanders started throwing bottles and coins at the police officers, which then resulted in very highly escalated tensions. As a result of being fed up after years of harassment by authorities, New York's gay community erupted in neighborhood riots that actually went on for three days. And the Stonewall Uprising then became a catalyst for an emerging gay rights movement as organizations like the Gay Liberation Front and the Gay Activist Alliance were formed and modeled after the civil rights movement and the women's rights movement. Today, the area surrounding the Stonewall Inn is now designated as a national monument. As to where the pride name came from in the first place, Brenda Howard, who is a bisexual New York activist whose nickname is actually the Mother of Pride organized the first Pride Parade to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising. And there you have it, (laughs) a very quick lesson on Pride Month and where the Pride name came from. 
And I'm also going to link where I basically read that from in this sh- this episode show notes on Live, which is the official website for this podcast, as well as the YouTube description if you are watching this on YouTube. Now, I do want to say for the record that despite identifying as an ally to the 2SLGBTQIA plus community for as long as I can remember, I really did not put in much effort to learn about the movement until recently. And even though I've had friends or met people who identify as 2SLGBTQIA plus and growing up watching a lot of YouTubers who identified as so or came out um, between like 2010 and like basically the early years of YouTube, despite seeing all that, I just didn't, there was really no catalyst for me to learn more about it and why it would even apply to me, right? And it's going to sound ridiculous, but I didn't really start learning or try to put in more effort into learning about the 2SLGBTQIA community and movement in history until I started watching Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> and I know that is so crazy because you're like, what the heck does the Real Housewives have to do with anything? <laughs> um, and by the way, I did not start watching RHOA until 2019. So really, I only started learning or putting in more effort to learning about the 2SLGBTQIA plus community in the past couple of years. But if you're a fan of the show um, or the Real Housewives franchise, you may have heard of Nene Leakes. Basically, Nene Leakes is one of the OGs of RHOA and Real Housewives in general. And she even starred on Glee as Coach Roz. And on the show... It showed that Nene Leakes was invited to be part of the Gay Pride Parade in L.A. And I think it was 2012. And since then, you know, she has been part of the Gay Pride Parade multiple times afterwards. And I believe other events, but do not quote me on that last part. And there were a few reasons why Nene Leakes participating in Gay Pride Parades prompted me to learn more about not only Gay Pride Month, but also the LGBT plus community. And one of the biggest reasons is because she is married to Greg Lees, <laughs> which reads as a heterosexual relationship, right? So I was like, why is she part of those events if she is what if she is in what I read as a heterosexual relationship? And then another big reason I want to learn more is because I was wondering why is she part of these events if she reads as a straight woman, right? And again, this is how I read her, especially at the time when she was invited um, to be part of Gay Pride Parade in LA. But she's obviously invited back to be part of those events. So that got me thinking, you know, if she can be part of those Pride Parades, can someone like me be part of gay pride events, pride events, pride parades, gay pride parades, or even pride month for that matter. And I asked myself this because for the longest time, (laughs) I thought I was not allowed. I was not allowed to be part of those movements because I identify as a straight cis female, okay? Even though I am an ally of the 2SLGBTQIA plus community. 
And I thought <laughs> that partaking in Pride Month would take away from those who actually identify as to us LGBTQIA+, and are actually trying to make a difference by sharing their stories and, you know, through their activism, right? So I was like, who am I to be a part of this movement, of this month, of this celebration, right? And also, here's a quick lesson on the origin of the rainbow flag. In 1978, Gilbert Baker, who is an artist, designer, and a prominent gay rights activist, was commissioned by San Francisco City Supervisor Harvey Milk, who was one of the first openly gay elected officials in the United States, to make a flag for the city's upcoming Pride celebration. So the, the gay Pride flag, as you can see, gives a nod to the American flag, the stripes of the American flag. But Baker decided to draw inspiration from the rainbow <laughs> um, because it represents the spectrum within the gay community and the many groups within the gay community. Since then, flags representing other sexuali sexualities on the spectrum have come out, <laughs> such as bisexual, pansexual, asexual, non-binary, and trans, just to name a few. Today, there is actually a rebooted pride flag by, I might say his name wrong, Daniel Quasar, Quasar, I don't know, <laughs> that is meant to be inclusive of, que of queer people of color and trans people, and oh my god, I am just running all over my words today, but Again, I will link the resources to learn more about these flags in the show notes and YouTube description. I have yet to learn a little bit more about them because there's, there's a lot, <laughs> which is obviously a good thing because representation, yes. Um, but anyway, knowing that the rainbow is used to symbolize pride, I thought for some reason, you know, I was not allowed to wear rainbow clothing. Um, like, I literally think that this this sweater that I'm wearing and this hair tie in my hair, I think these are literally the first things I've that are rainbow that I've owned. <laughs> and I'm 25, so I don't know if that's something to you. But I didn't even own, like, rainbow socks, you know? Like, the, the rainbow stripes is what I mean. Like, of, of course, I had colorful rainbow socks, but not necessarily rainbow stripes. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. I digress. Um, and basically, you know, all of this is to say that I basically gatekeeped myself from being part of the movement and showing off my allyship with the 2SLGBTQIA plus community. But after seeing someone like Nini Leaks and in later seasons, other RHOA housewives participate in gay pride parades, it was clear that I had to learn more about what it really means to be not only part of the 2S LGBTQIA plus community, but what it truly means to be an ally, an ally and how to truly be one, right? So before I move forward, I do want to say that what I discuss in this episode regarding the 2S LGBTQIA plus movement is specific to my journey and my identity as a Filipina who was raised Catholic in the Middle East. Okay, <laughs> so if there are some things I say that are a bit peculiar to you, please remind yourself that this is very specific to me and my experiences. And again, I will be linking some resources that have helped me learn more about 
the 2S LGBTQIA plus movement. But please feel free to use this podcast episode as a sign for you to learn more on your own time. Now, let's go back in time. Growing up Catholic, homosexuality wasn't treated as a taboo subject. And I'm not saying it was portrayed as a sin because from what I remember, homosexuality was avoided. And it probably was avoided because everyone just assumes every Catholic is straight. So why even bother talking about it, I guess? But outside of Catholicism, the word gay obviously was used as a derogatory term. And I never understood understood why, how it could insult someone or be insulting. And I never said it myself, but when someone said that to me, I was both mad but also confused because I was like, that doesn't even make sense. (laughs) But funny little story, I think I was in elementary, possibly second or third grade, but I remember someone on the playground insulted me with the word gay and then someone else on the playground overheard and was like oh you mean she's happy they were like what are you talking about that's not what gay means and this person goes haven't you heard of the flintstones they say gay which means happy (laughs) um and those of you who are wondering where in the song they say that they literally end the song with that before fred flintstone screams wilma and it goes let me think a little bit. It goes, a yabba dabba do time, a dabba do time. We'll have a gay old time. We'll have a gay old time. <laughs> and that's the closest you're gonna get of me singing on this podcast. But that's how it goes. And like, literally, just go on YouTube, search it up, Flintstones theme song, and just go to the end, and you're gonna hear it. Like at the end um, but basically when I got home after that you know after that incident on the playground I, I think I asked either my mom or my dad if gay meant happy because they say it in the Flintstones and whoever answered me they said yeah they just they literally just said yeah, yeah. and that was the end of the conversation um then I think from then on whenever someone tried to insult me by using the word gay I was just like piff <laughs> That that means happy, so I don't care. <laughs> um, you know, but I guess from then on, the idea of being gay in Raham's second, third grader mind wasn't seen as a bad thing at all. Um, and just for more context, I only define gay as you like boys. I never defined it as being gay is a sin, as being gay means you're an idiot, or that being gay is a choice. Like, I just knew it was like, okay, gay means you're you like boys or you're happy like the Flintstones. <laughs> and, the, and again, this was second grader, third grader Raham. And that's obviously like, I'm, I'm more mature now anyway. <laughs> I digress. But it may seem like I grew up in a decent um, environment where I was not explicitly taught that gay was a sin or gay was a choice. But that is not true at all. Instead, what was being seen or being told is a sin was trans people people who cross-dressed and so-called female imposters and i won't go too much into this specifically the history in the philippines because there's so much like i said history within that and a lot of hypocrisy hypocrisy that definitely needs its own episode um but basically 
especially in the Philippines, trans people were actually defined as people who were sick in the head or something was wrong with them or they are trying to trick touristers for money, something like that. But also at the time, this did not include trans people who were born as female and transitioned to male. And it did not include women who crossed us as men. And it also did not include male imposters, right? And as a child hearing that, at some point, I definitely agreed with those definitions, especially in the Philippines, because I only ever overheard those type of remarks, those type of comments, conversations, and saw, quote unquote, those type of people in the Philippines. Despite agreeing with those definitions at some point in my childhood, that did not last long at all. Because the Philippines, specifically Filipino entertainment, it would embrace those, quote unquote, those types of people. And I'm saying those types of people because when I was a child, trans people cross-dressers and female imposters were kind of thrown into one category and I don't think there was like an explicit Tagalog term used at the time granted that there were ever was one but for as long as I can remember Filipino dramas tv shows movies game shows competitions etc they all had like a token trans person or cross-dresser or male and female costume um So in my young mind, I thought, well, okay, if they're on TV, if they're on the big stage, (laughs) then it's not actually a bad thing to be um, a trans person. (laughs) Like, I don't get it. But as time went on and as there was more visibility and representation of trans people on a global scale, those conversations that I used to hear as a child didn't completely disappear, but they did start to fade away and i'd like to think that we've come a long way since then um but of course there's a whole lot more that we could do better as a nation and if you are filipino i'm gonna say this to my filipino audience specifically in the philippines if you have felt a certain way about what i just said and how i perceived that as a child remember that this is from a young Raham child mind who was naive and did not know better. So if you feel some type of way, go get a time machine, go back in time and pick a fight with her. I'm sure she'll be glad to fight you. <laughs> but again, please remember that this was during a time when I really did not know better and things were definitely different in the Philippines, specifically in the treatment of the LGBTQ plus community. Okay, and that is a fact. Anyway, (laughs) I don't know how much it has changed since then, since specifically about Filipino entertainment, because it's been a long time since I've seen Filipino TV. But for now, keep in mind that in the Philippines, you had that sort of token trans person or cross-dresser, right? They were never the main character. They were always just treated as the comic relief or a side character. Whereas in American entertainment cross-dressing was sometimes the focus of the movie such as movies like Miss Doubtfire, White Chicks, She's the Man, and Big Mama's House just to name a few and by the way some of these movies need to be canceled but let's not get into that hot mess today. (laughs) Anyway the protagonist in those movies dressing up as a male or female it was part of the plot line right 
And then you had other movies like Norbit, where Eddie Murphy actually played multiple roles. And to do so, he actually put on a costume. And by the way, I found out that he not only played the evil wife, Respucia, but he also played Mr. Wong, who is Norbit's Asian adoptive father. And I just wanted to put that out there because I thought that was a... Mm. <laughs> um, anyway, as much as I'd love to go into that today, we're trying to commemorate Pride Month 2021. Okay, so let's let's get back on track, y'all. But basically, in my young mind, I saw that crossdressers were the main characters in American entertainment and in the Philippines, they were the side characters. And I say cross-dressers because specifically in American entertainment, the characters were not trans people. Trans people. Um, they were literally just characters just putting on a costume to portray a different gender. And to be honest, you can even take this one step further or deeper and say that the concept of trans people was just not a thing in American entertainment. However, in Filipino entertainment, it was a thing. It was existent to some degree, right? So, as a child who was impacted by both Filipino and American culture and entertainment, there was what I guess you could define as mixed messages or mixed portrayal of the 2SLGBTQIA plus community. But there was one event that really made me start solidifying my allyship with the 2SLGBTQIA plus community. And that was when Jake Zyrus, who was born as Sharice Pempenko and the singer of Pyramid, featuring IS, <laughs> came out as lesbian in 2013. Also leading up to that, his exploration of his gender identity was very harshly criticized and it was a huge subject of public interest. And I remember at the time that this was such a big topic of discussion in, in Filipino entertainment that Filipinos around the world who are big, big fans of her or knew of her, no matter where you were, as long as you were Filipino, Filipina, Filipina X, this was a huge conversation. Um, but at the time, after seeing that in the news... And, like, it was really on the news. Like, it wasn't just Filipino news. It was American news. It was international news. Um, but seeing that, and I'm going to use his dead name um, and pronouns. But at the time, I was like, wait a second. But Sharice was on Glee. She was on Oprah. She was on Ellen DeGeneres. She was on billboards and advertisements. And most of all, she's Filipino. What? And I remember just being so amazed and inspired because this literally, this seriously defied the social norm that I knew and grew up with being a Filipina Catholic, right? Specifically as someone who has frequently visited the Philippines and, you know, saw how, you know, they treated trans people in the general LGBTQ plus community. Um, but of course there were other stars and celebrities who came out but because Jake is Filipino and had international recognition and was actually on American television, this had a big impact on me because this person really just broke barriers that I actually saw and experienced to some degree firsthand. And also before I move on to the next topic, for those who may be curious about 
Jake Zyrus. I do want to say that Jake eventually adopted his current name in 2017, so not that long ago. And I believe he started his transition that year or the following year by undergoing surgery and beginning his testosterone shots. And he also just released a new song on May 17, 2021 called Fix Me. I watched and listened to it and it's actually pretty freaking good. And I highly recommend you go check it out if you want a new song recommendation or you're just curious to see where Jake Cyrus is now today. (laughs) Fast forward to present time. I am 25 years old at the recording of this episode and have only really started putting an effort to learn about the 2S LGBTQIA plus community history and movement really this year. I know I said 2019, but I I don't think I really put in effort until 2021, to be quite honest with you. And I feel like there are just so many realms to explore, but I feel like because I experienced it firsthand to some degree in the Philippines and being Filipino, um, I wanted to explore or learn more about the 2S LGBTQIA plus community history and movement within the Filipino, Filipina, Philippine X community, because that is, you know, as I said, what I was first exposed to. And also because the LGBTQ plus community in the Philippines has a very, very rich and distinctive history, like so rich that it actually goes back to LGBTQ plus representation in Filipino mythology. Like, what? (laughs) It's ancient, y'all. It's ancient. And as one of my first steps to learning, I bought a book called Home is in the Body by Anak Publishing. And for those of you who are streaming from their preferred podcast platform, I will make sure to link this in the show notes on kalamansi.live. Or if you're watching this, I will link this in the YouTube description. Basically, this book, which was um, defined as a coffee table book, and I didn't know that, but it features 40 plus works by radical Philippine X femme, with most being from Canada. Also, shout out to my friends at Philippine X pages because they were the ones who recommended this book on their Instagram page. And I do want to close this episode actually with a quote, quote from this book. But before I do, I encourage everyone to put in the effort to learn about the 2S LGBTQIA plus community and history. Whether you like it or not, whether you are aware of it or not, the 2S LGBTQIA plus community has influenced and impacted our lives in many ways, including fashion, music, language and linguistics, entertainment, beauty, and so much more. So please, whatever you do, whether it's a quick Google search, learning more about the, sh- the, the movement through the show notes or whatever, I encourage you to start learning more. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It's free. Now, to close today's episode, here is a quote from Home is in the Body by Anuk Publishing, the preface. Using Philippine X reclaims our non-gender specific pre-colonial values and defies much of contemporary cultural practice. X represents the negation of binaries of the masculine or feminine attribution.
It is consistent with our pre-colonial and present-day Filipino language and the neutrality of Sia. There is a great deal of responsibility, commitment, and accountability that comes with using terms like Filipinex, intersectional, and inclusive. These terms intend to reflect equity. Here, the X is capitalized to stress this meaning. What does accountability look like? It is not impossible. It is not magic. When one does something outside of one's values, causing harm to community, to an individual, how is that made right? It is a choice. It is whether or not one is willing to accept the offered invitation back into community and do what is necessary to make amends. Accountability is truth. It is love. For those who want to know a quick summary of Home is in the Body, Home is in the Body includes discussions on community, self, identity, love, and the value of queer Filipinx space. So again, if you're interested, head over to live. And if you made it to the end of this episode, I appreciate you and I hope you all join me on the next one. I am your host, Raham Tahara, and don't forget to count your calamansis. Thank you.